We got some sad news this week that Stanley has passed away at age 95. If you don't know who Stanley is, if you live under a rock, um, Stanley is like one of the greatest creative geniuses to ever have lived. He created some of the most iconic superheroes of all time, including Spider-Man, Iron Man, The Hulk, uh, Fantastic Four, X-Men. Stanley created all of them. And so now, like, we're in, like, superhero movie craze. Like, that's all because of this one man, Stanley. He's incredible. So if you've ever watched any of these movies, like the Marvel movies, or just any, if you just watched movies in general, like, anyone ever watch a movie? Let me see your hand. That should be everybody. Okay. I know Zoe, she, you're really not into movies, but most of us have watched a movie before. If you've watched a movie, you've kind of encountered a trope before. A trope is like a stereotype that like the audience will automatically recognize. Okay. So here's an example. Like the hero gets the girl. That's, that's like a movie trope. Like that's something that as we watch the movie, when we see the hero, we just expect the hero to get the girl. Like you just expect it's going to happen. And then if it actually doesn't happen, it's like it's breaking a trope. It's like that's the twist right there that the hero and the girl didn't get together. It's like something that we just expect as an audience. Another trope is like bombs with a countdown, right? Like, uh, like, like well, every villain, every time they have a bomb to like blow up a city, there's a countdown. Yeah, right? Yeah, Joker the Pulse, there's a countdown every time. It's like why does, he ha- why does the Joker have to tell Batman how many seconds are left before he can save Rachel? Like, why, why do they do that? Why, why don't they just blow it up? They just say, it's like, we got 30 seconds to cut the blue wire. Like, it's just a trope, like, every time. Another trope is, like, a bad person actually underneath being a good person. That's one, like, we're introduced to a character, and they're, like, clearly a villain. They're, like, against the hero. It's like, okay, this guy's shady, right? Like, he's totally a villain, case closed. But then it turns out actually underneath he's really a good person maybe he's been helping the whole time like uh and harry potter like severus snape like you kind of thought he was bad but then he turns out to be good right you know that one or like the grinch right the grinch like he's like all grumpy and gross and mean like you kind of think he's the villain but it turns out he was just lonely the whole time and he's actually like a good person i guess so um those are some examples of some tropes so here's what i want you to do get with like two or three people next to you kind of take one of you guys could take your phone out I'm going to give you like 30 seconds. I want you to write down some, uh, as many movies as you can think of when I give you a trope. So like, I'm going to give you like 30 seconds, kind of get with somebody, don't be alone, kind of like look who's near you, partner up, tag, high five somebody, get your whole, yeah, second row right there. That's a good group. All right, so I'm going to give you like 30 seconds. I want to see who can come up with the most movies. Um, the Hero Gets the Girl. Name as many movies, write them down right now. Go ahead, 30 seconds. How many movies have you seen where the hero gets the girl? How many movies have you seen? Write them down. Work together. (laughs) Zoe, you're hurting me inside. Don't bring it up. All right, 10 more seconds. 10 more seconds. All right, that's it. Good job, everybody. Good job. What do we got? Front row. What do we have? How many? Uh, how many did you get? Just give me, give me a lit. Five. You got five movies. N- name two or three. Give me two or three movies. Superman and Annie. Superman Annie. Okay, wait. Do you want to explain that one to me? How does that work? Oh, he does. Okay. All right. All right. Give it to you. Give it to you. All right. What do we got over here? How many movies we got? Six movies. Give me like one or two. The Flash and Thor. 
Flash and Thor. Okay, all right. So they get the girl, right? What do we got back here? How many do you guys get? All right, give me, give me one or two, one or two. Well, you guys got six, you said? All right, give me, give me one or two in the microphone. I have Aladdin and the notebook. All right, Aladdin and the notebook. He does. He gets the girl. What? There pretty much is, yeah. But then there are ones that they broke the trope, like so in Harry Potter, right, with, um, uh, with Harry and Hermione don't get together. Like, that's why she wrote it that way, because she wanted to break the trope. All right, let me give you another one. How about, um, let's do that last one. The bad person who's actually, like, turns out to be a good person. I'll give you 30 seconds. How many movies can you think of? How many movies have you seen the bad guy kind of becomes a good guy? Yeah. <laughs> the bad guy ends up being a good guy. I definitely named two, and there's one really clear one. If no one in this room gets it, I'm going to be like, what's going on? Name as many movies as you can where the bad guy turns out or becomes a good guy. I thought he was a, he was bad. But then he was bad, yeah, opposite. All right, that's it, time. What do we got over here? What do we got? How many do you have? Four, give me one or two. Grinch and Despicable Me. Yes, Despicable Me. I was going to, like, punch somebody if we didn't get it. What do we got back here? What do you guys have? Five? Give me one or two. The Grinch and Harry Potter. Um, the Flash. The Flash. Okay, another one. The villain. He's kind of a bad guy. Maybe he's a good guy. Pirates of the Caribbean. How many did you guys get? Three? Okay, so this one's a little bit harder. All right, yeah, so... That's it. So these like stereotypes, though, like they exist in movies. And again, we break them in movies, but they don't just exist in movies. They actually are in real life, right? We actually do this all the time. We think and act this way. We look at a person and we make some judgment calls about them and we kind of put them in a category. We immediately categorize them, right? I mean, think about it like the nerdy guy in your school. You automatically see somebody who's like always got their shirt tucked in and maybe like a couple extra pencils and some glasses. You already are like, okay, that guy's good at math, and I'm sure he's really not good at gym, right? He's probably not on any sports team. He's really good at math. Versus, like, if you see some gym guy, some guy who's always in the gym, you kind of already assume. You're like, all right, he's probably strong. He probably plays, like, at least plays football, probably does some wrestling, and I bet he's trying to keep a C in his math class, right? Like, we kind of do that. Or you see some girl on Instagram, like, she's got perfect hair, perfect clothes, everything's put together, and so we just kind of assume any girl like that on Instagram's like, got to be mean, right? Like, any, anytime you see, right? It's like mean girls, right? Yeah. And here's what I find actually interesting is that a lot of times our assumptions about people, how we categorize them, it's always negative. Have you ever noticed that? I find, it, I find it interesting. Like, when you see a girl like that on Instagram who's got everything perfect, it seems like everything in her life is going together, and she's, like, so nice. You, you never assume a good thing. You're never like, man, I see that girl, like, she must be so nice to hang out with. Like, I bet she, like, volunteers at church or volunteers at charities. Like, I bet she's a great friend. Like, we never think that, right? When we, when we categorize people, we usually assume the worst, right? Like, that gym guy, we're going to assume, like, well, yeah, he's probably, like, not a trustworthy guy. He's probably, like, more into himself. Or, like, you, you, there's a guy who maybe you think is a bit of a player. You're like, well, he's obviously not trustworthy because I see him talking to a lot of girls. We categorize people, and it usually we assume the worst, and I think we do it because 
One, like classifying people makes things a little bit easier. It actually takes time to get to know a person. And so before we get to know them, we try to put them in a category. So it's like, okay, I, I know who that person is. And also because it's also like we've seen that movie before, right? I mean, if you see somebody who acts a certain way and does some certain things on Instagram or when you meet them or they talk about certain things, you're like, okay, well, I know what they're like. I've seen this character. I've seen the movie. That's exactly who they are. That's what they're going to do. But putting people in categories, when we do that, we start to become almost a type of villain ourselves, don't we? That we're kind of making a judgment call about somebody based off of things, and we don't really have all the information. In some ways, we're kind of becoming a hater as well. And the problem is that a movie trope, like kind of some of the stuff we're talking about, it's not always true. And that's the case for somebody named Rahab, whose story I want to talk about today. She's in the Bible, in the Old Testament Thousands of years ago, God's people, the Israelites, they were slaves to the Egyptians. Maybe you've heard about them at school before. God sets them free. It's this really cool story. Then they're traveling to a land that God had promised to them, so they called it, what did they call it? The promised land. That's right. So they're going to the promised land, and the story to get there, it's really epic. It's actually, it's in the book of Numbers, which sounds like a really dumb book name, but it's actually really cool. Like, like a lot of cool stuff happens. So they get to the promised land. It's like, it's this crazy story. They're ready to be there, but they've got a small problem. When they get to the promised land, what do you think it is? Water. There's people there. Dude, nice guess. That, or maybe you knew that already. Yeah. yeah, there's actually seven other nations that live in the promised land. So Joshua is the leader of the Israelites at this point. He's the leader after Moses. And he sends a couple spies. He's like, hey, do some recon. There's a city called Jericho. We got to find out, like, what's going on? Like, I, you know, we wanted to live here and everything. But the spies get discovered. And so they have to go to plan B. They're trying to hide. And there's a citizen in the city named Rahab, and she offers her home. She's like, you guys can stay here until, until you have an opportunity to sneak out. And that's when we're going to pick up our story. It's in Joshua chapter 2. Read it from my Bible. Joshua chapter 2, verse 2. Someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they've come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath the bundles of flax that she had laid out. So the king's men go to look for her. So Rahab, she hides these guys and she even lies about it. She's like risking her life. I mean, this is really brave. It's really generous of her. You're like, man, instant Bible hero, right? She's helping God's people. Like, this is, this is really cool. And that's true. Like, she is. She's a Bible hero. She risked her life. Like, it's great. But there's a little bit more to her story. The Bible actually says something else about her right before the story. It's in some information. In verse 1, here's what it says. Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp. Uh, he instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. A prostitute named Rahab. That's not exactly the kind of person that you expect to be a hero, especially a hero in the Bible, right? But the author makes a point that he wanted you to know that was her job. That's who she was. And later, we eventually read that the Hebrews, like, they conquered the city of Jericho, and back then what you did was you, um, 
killed everybody. <laughs> it's what you did. So Joshua decided to spare Rahab's life, though, because he's like, man, you were heroic. Like, you helped us with this victory. So she gets um, to survive with her family. But that's actually not the last time that we hear about Rahab. Like, she's a great hero. That's cool. It's a cool story. Over a 1,000 years later, though, her name appears again in the New Testament. If you've ever read the book of Matthew, it's one of the four books about Jesus' life. And in the beginning of the book of Matthew, it's got the same name as me, so it's a great book. I'm reading it right now. You should read it. Anyway, the book of Matthew, he starts it with a family tree about Jesus. It's Jesus' family tree. And the reason he starts it this way is because your family tree meant everything. Like, so if your family was kind of came from nothing, then you were destined to stay as nothing. Like family tree and genealogy meant everything. Today in America, for us, it's different. Like no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, you can become anything you want to be. That's really special. But back then it was different. And so Matthew's composing this family tree of Jesus to show, hey, Jesus is the Messiah because he comes from King David. But in the list of Jesus's family tree, he includes the name Rahab. He includes the prostitute Rahab and Jesus' family tree. Now, why would he do that? Why would he, if I was Matthew, right, wouldn't you think he'd be like, man, uh, like, you know, I'm gonna write all of Jesus' genealogy. I'm gonna, like, just skip Rahab. I don't want anyone to know, like, I'm trying to make the case that Jesus is a great person. Like, so I don't wanna include a non-Jewish prostitute in his line. Like, why would he do that? But the truth is because he's trying to shatter our expectations, right? He wants to show us that what we assume about other people isn't always the truth, and that's not always the end game about them. What God wants to do, God sees more than what we see, and God knows more than what we know about other people. The truth is we don't always know how somebody's story started, and we don't know what the next chapter of their story is going to contain. God does. And that's really big for us because God doesn't judge us by our appearance. God doesn't hold our reputation against us. If you're here and you've done something and you're embarrassed, if you're ashamed of what you've done, if you feel like, man, maybe I'm too young for God to do anything in my life, look, none of that matters. God doesn't judge you based off of your appearance, and that's wonderful news. So what other people think about you, whatever your reputation is, God doesn't care about that. That's awesome news. That's really exciting. If you are in Jesus, you don't have to let your reputation, you don't have to let what other people, what you have done or what other people think about you, that doesn't define you. And that's awesome. And the truth is, that's same for other people in our life as well. The other people in our life, they have a bigger story than just what we observe in like our third period class. When we're in science, we sit next to them and they're like, oh yeah, I know this guy. Like, actually, There's more to them, just like there's more to you, and God knows that about you. And so this is your walkaway point tonight. Your walkaway point is this. Assume the best and trust God with the rest. Assume the best and trust God with the rest. It's pretty good, right? That's not bad? Okay. Assume uh, Assume the best and trust God with the rest. Assume the best, right? Not all judgments have to be negative, right? We said when we categorize people, like, we always, like, assume the worst. Like, okay, he's a jock, which means he's a jerk, which means he doesn't have any good friends, which means I shouldn't trust him, which means I hate him, which means we're going to talk bad about it. Like, it always, like, you know, it's always negative. So we can assume the best. We don't have to, we could choose to assume good things about them, even if we don't like them, even if we disagree, we can assume the best. Everybody has a story and a background, and here's the thing, too, like assuming the best will help you, will keep you from becoming cynical. Cynical is always having a negative outlook and always having a negative um, attitude about things. One of the best ways to become, to avoid becoming cynical, which is kind of like becoming a lifetime hater, like to avoid becoming a lifelong hater and becoming cynical, 
we can assume the best in other people. And it doesn't mean that, uh, that we agree with them or we like everything that, we, that they do, but we can just assume the best. Hey, they've got a story. They have reasons why they say that or do that. And maybe if I was like that, maybe I, if I had that story, maybe I would do something like that too. Or maybe I would say something like that too if I had that story. So I'm just gonna assume the best instead of assuming the worst about somebody. So assume the best and trust God with the rest. Trust God with the rest. This is the part where we hand over our judgment card and we hand over our hater card. We, we, we give it to God. Again, God knows their story. God knows what he wants to do in their life. God knows their potential. We see like 10%. It's like an iceberg. We just see the very top of somebody's life. We don't know the rest of what's going on. And so we can't judge them or hate on them. God knows what's going on in their life. He knows a person past. He knows what they're doing, what they're going through today. He knows what their future holds. And so even if they're annoying you at lunch, right? Like, I get it. Like, I'm not saying, like, we have to, like, become best friends with people, but we can trust God. Hey, you know what, God? This person's really aggravating me. I really want to judge them. I really want to talk bad about them. Some of my friends are talking bad about them. But God, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to trust you with the rest. I'm going to trust that maybe you can do something in their life. I'm not going to judge them. I bet the people who knew Rahab and Jericho, they probably thought she was a lost cause. Like, this girl, this is all she's ever going to be. This is all, this is all who she is. But God had more for her. God had bigger and better plans. And now her story has impacted literally millions of people over hundreds of years because God had something better. And so as we kind of break into small group today and as you walk out today, think about somebody. Who's somebody that you've put in a category? Is there somebody in your life that you've kind of judged and put in some type of category? We all do it. It's okay. Everybody here does it. But what would it look like if you assumed the best in that person? What if instead of assuming like, okay, the reason their Instagram is like that is because they're this, that, and the other thing. Or because the reason that person always says this to me is because of this, that, the other thing. What if we, instead of assuming the worst, what if we assumed the best about that person? How would that change the way that you treat them? And so that's my challenge for you guys today. That's your walkaway point. Assume the best and trust God with the rest. Does that make sense? You guys all keeping up with me today? Awesome. Look at your neighbor and repeat the walkway point. Assume the best and trust God with the rest. All right, I think we're going to be okay. All right, let me pray for you, and then we'll break into small groups. God, thank you for today. Thank you so much for your love, God. And thank you, Jesus, that you can use somebody even like Rahab, God, that she was in the family line of Jesus. Like, whoa, that's crazy, God. And thank you that, that you look at us the same way. No matter what our reputation is, what people say about us, no matter what we've done, if we're ashamed of ourselves, God, or if we're, man, if we feel like, man, I'm too young for God to do anything, man, none of those things are true, God. You know our story and you know our potential and you see our heart, God. You wanna do something great in us and you love us. You've got a plan for us. That's wonderful news. So help us to apply that to other people too, God, that we can assume the best in somebody and trust you with the rest. People are still going to let us down even when we assume the best. People are still going to aggravate us and be dumb and annoying and whatever else, but we can assume the best and trust you with the rest. Help us to live this out this week, God. Be with us um, and the rest of tonight, God, as we talk this out in small groups. In your name, amen. 